Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. If you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review on iTunes so your friends know that they can learn from the show. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to another edition of DIY Money. DIY? Oh! Money. Daniel Zulno in his own. Threw off your rhythm there, didn't I? Yeah, you did. You thought I was just going to bring it? Uh, I thought you were going to bring it. What should I get, Daniel? Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful New Year. Happy New Year to you. Yeah. How you was lobster? your Christmas did and you have holidays? New Year's lobster? No, I did, did not crazy? have New Year's lobster. I was telling Logan about the one year that we had lobsters crawling around in your kitchen. I don't know where to get live lobster anymore. You have to like order them from Maine or something. No, I think there is a place. No place I in did town hear that, that there is a place that you can get them. I don't believe it. I need to do that again. I miss that. I love lobster. Unless people think that we were like riding high on the hog. I mean, it was the early days. Oh yeah, they were like twenty bucks. Yeah, they weren't bad. What should we do about lunch? The lobster, the crack crab. Can't we have both? Lobster and crack crab for everyone. All right, Daniel. First episode, I had A. Howard on here. First of all, we're going back to the basics. Thanks for tuning in. We talked budgeting. We went really granular about the steps to creating a budget, tracking expenses, 30 days, classifying expenses, categorizing those expenses, even got to accruals, which was great. So now we're on a budget, and now I want to get rich. So which stock should I buy? Uh, yeah, let me think about that for a moment. Um, I don't know, all of them? What's the next step? Cash. What do you mean? Have some cash in your account. Mm. Liquidity is king when it comes to your personal finances. So there's been very few times in life where I've looked at my personal finances and gone, man, having liquidity is a bummer. (laughs) Inevitably, when you start on this path, if you wake up and you're listening to this or you've already done this or whatever it may be, or maybe you're just trying to right the ship and you say, now is the time. I'm going to improve my finances. I'm going to get out of debt. I'm going to get on a budget. I'm going to track my expenses. I'm going to do it. You know what's going to happen? Chaos. You're going to need some auto repair. A kid's going to get sick. You're going to have a doctor bill. Something will happen. Murphy's Law will happen. It will transpire. And that is why this is so critical. Before going down the path of trying to create wealth or you know, invest more in your 401k or any of those things, it is so critical that you build two different piles of money. The first is we call what we call fast cash. $1,000 accessible immediately. I mean, preferably literally in cash in your house in a bank or a safe or something like that that you can use to fix a repair, get new tires, take care of the HVAC, call the plumber, the electrician, whatever it may be that you need that will certainly happen to derail you from your plan. That is the very first thing, in my opinion, that you should have is $1,000 fast cash. Is there anyone out there who wants to go fast? I want to go fast. Then we move on to the emergency fund. Isn't there a statistic somewhere like 50% of Americans or something have less than $1,000 or something like that? Probably. So 
more people need to listen to this show. There's no question about it. That statistic became very prevalent during COVID. Yeah. When, you know, it wasn't just, say, the low end that lost jobs during, mm-hmm. like, a normal recession, but people who worked in the medical profession or in the professional arena lost jobs abruptly and found themselves in a food line mm-hmm. because they didn't have cash on hand. They didn't have, uh, you know, a, a budget or a uh, an emergency fund or something along those lines. So... Fast cash is critical. We talk in the book about a variety of ways. Look, you can you can do it through your expenses, meaning you can have it in margin, which we'll talk about in the next episode. But let's say you're just you know you're flush with cash every pay period, and you're like, what do I do with this extra money? Well, you could do it that way. Or if you're like most people, especially if you're on this journey, more than likely you're pretty tight every month, and you might have to look around your house and you might have to go, okay. What are the items I need to get rid of in my house? And you might have to put them on Facebook Marketplace. Or is Craigslist a thing anymore? I'm sure it is. I haven't been on there forever. I feel like Facebook Marketplace has really taken over. Anyways, you may have to sell it. I'm sure there's people that are holding out. You may have to get rid of them. Or you might have to do some weekend work. Or you may have to do something. You can look around, and odds are, through a garage sale, selling of items, etc., you could raise the money fairly quickly. Now, let's say you've done that. You mm-hmm. got the $1,000. Let's talk emergency fund, Daniel. Where yeah. do you fall on emergency fund? What is our general thoughts on that? Is my article about this still on our site? Probably, DIYmoney.org. Absolutely. There was a time I wrote an article about this exact topic, which had not a calculator, but sort of uh, thresholds that you could utilize depending on the different variables in your life. And so a few of those variables would be, for instance, if you're a household with one income versus two income, uh, do you have kids? Do you not have kids? Is your profession fairly stable or is it historically subject to seasonality and layoffs and and things like that? Um, Are you readily employable? Uh, By that, I mean, like, is your industry in particularly high demand such that, you know, you could you know, quickly move or go across town or something like that and walk into a a similar profession, stuff like that. Now, obviously, as you pointed out with COVID, there's scenarios in there that you just never know what's going to happen. But by and large, most of the time on sort of the bell curve of sort of normal occurrences and events, you can kind of take some of those variables and back them into sort of what an emergency fund should be. And so if if we have that article on the website still and people go to it, you'll see that it ranges from like, three months to 12 months um, as far as what your emergency fund should be. And it's not, it's really not related to just what kind of risk you can stomach, but it's more quantitatively uh, sort of oriented towards the inherent risk that is your life. So for instance, when we had kids, we ended up increasing our emergency fund to have more cash on hand because we now had more human beings responsible or that we were responsible for in our household. So like when it was just us, like if something happened, we could cut back pretty aggressively. Um, but we could still do that with kids. But there's a certain threshold that they expect as kids. They're, they don't, they're not going to live off of ramen. I remember when I was doing this, and and again, we'll th- at times throw out you know general rules of thumb. I would say that for most people, we'll talk about a three- to six-month emergency fund. And again, you could get granular and determine, okay, if, if something were to dramatically happen, 
I mean, what in your budget could be cut immediately, right? So if you're spending $5,000 a month and you look through your budget, 2000 of it is ancillary expenses that you really could do without. And I mean, like, really do without. Like mm-hmm. internet, cable, you Gym know, subscription, you, subscri- like whatever. all the things that you yeah. currently have in your budget and you don't need. So those would be gone. So let's say you whittle it down to $3,000 of mm-hmm. core living expenses. Like this is what we need to live. Well, then you're looking at, you know, 9000 to 10000 over a three-month time period. But as Daniel said, if, you, if you're in an industry where if you were to lose your job and it's going to take you a very long time to find something similar, you might extend that out to six, month or, six months or so. Mm-hmm. The reality, though, is that – and we deal with this so often. Somebody goes, where's the best place to invest? Or, what, you know, should I, should I buy Roth IRA or stocks? Or, and, and we're like, well, what's in your emergency fund? Well – you know, I don't have that. I'm working on that. And I'm like, there's no question then. Like, there's there's no dialogue mm-hmm. about other things until that's done. Because you're playing with fire. You're playing with, you know, the the ability to to not panic sell when you have an emergency. And if you think about it, what are the odds that you lose your job in an economy that's booming and stocks are going up? Probably not all that high maybe i mean it depends on the industry you're in of course what's more probabilistic is probable probably there thank you as the market's going down the economy is starting to struggle and job losses occur Mm -hmm. so then without the emergency fund you've lost a job and you're like oh shoot but i've got this stock account that's now down and you're now selling at a poor time so there's some strategy behind it as well. Now, those of you, and I know we have listeners that are older, we strive to have retirees or those that are older get to the retirement years with a year's worth of emergency funds sitting on the sidelines. So one year of cash flow out of investments available should something happen. And that typically has to do with just making sure you have enough time for the markets to recover in the event that there is some sort of you know, decline or recession or something transpires <clears throat> where you need at least 12 months in the event you can't tap resources at that moment. So again, it varies. But the reality is, is that developing the fast cash in the emergency fund is a first critical step. What else? Daniel. Well, I think last time we did any kind of basics episodes, it was painstaking for us to go, not painstaking because we always support the emergency fund, but like there's no good place to put it because we're the sort of uh, prevailing interest rates at the time were 0.50%. They're now 10 times better, relatively speaking. I mean, you can get a high yield savings account at over 4%. Uh, so it's really not as painful anymore as it used to be to actually hold that cash on hand to to have some cash available because that cash then is also making you cash. I mean, it's not in the stock market. It's not making 10, 15%, you know, some years. But what about when rates go back down? They're not going to probably go back down all the way to zero. But they go to two. Fine. So 2%? What? Exactly. I'll get 2% in the savings. That's account. the point is, is we deal with that question a lot. Do you have an emergency fund? Yeah, it's in my account. And again, not over the last 12 months, I get it, because rates are 4 or 5%. Yeah, I got it in my account, but it's not earning anything. What can I do to earn to earn a return on it for it to be an emergency fund? Mm-hmm. Nothing. 
because that requires risk. And if you take risk and then you need that money and that money's at risk, you have run the risk of it being down or a loss. That's not going to happen. So an emergency fund is segmented. I don't even include it in as far as our overall picture of wealth. I don't even, when I'm looking at my allocation, I don't even include that in there because I just say that's part of whatever. That's just my emergency fund. I'm not going to touch it. It's pre-spent in your mind. That's right. In a way. That's exactly right. Yeah. But I do like that it's making money now because that kind of keeps it up with inflation to some extent. So as your expenses increase over time, maybe it's self-correcting. Let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Emergency fund or 401k? I would increase the emergency fund first once you're at the employer match. Bingo. And then it depends on how many months you have. Like... Getting one to two months in your emergency fund is pretty huge as long as you're getting getting the employer match. Once you're getting to that two to three month threshold in your emergency fund, I would then start to gravitate more towards the 401k uh, while still billing the emergency fund somewhat. But like I would slow down. I would basically start to transition over time uh, to more and more sort of retirement and less into the emergency fund. So this is a very uh, interesting question. I want to I want to stress a couple of things because the emergency fund is the first line of defense. There's no question. Fast cash emergency fund. But when you are working in a job that offers a match that is free money. And in our opinion, that has to be taken advantage of. That has to be taken advantage of from the very beginning. So if there's a 5% match, 5%. 3% match, 3%. Then, once the emergency fund, and I would even add bad debt is paid off, that's when you can look at increasing the retirement savings. But you have to follow those early steps to avoid being derailed when something happens. That's critical. What else, Daniel? Anything else to add? I don't think so. I mean, emergency funds, they're not the sexiest part of personal finance until you need them. Then they're sexy. And then, like, having cash when you need cash is a great, great feeling. My emergency fund is hot. Smoking! Yes. All right. Let's wrap it up. We'll get into the next segment, which is magic in the margins. No, in the margin, not margins. Magic margin? Magic margin. Hmm. Hmm. It's like magic marker, marker, but... Margin. Margin. All right, friends. Remember, the secret to wealth is pretty simple. Live on less than you make. Invest the rest after fast cash and emergency fund. And do so for a very long time. Make it a great one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. If you want content delivered to you regularly, be sure to follow us on Instagram at DIY.money. And if you want your question aired on the show, be sure to send that to us and you'll get a $25 Amazon gift card. This show is for entertainment and educational purposes only and is not intended as personal financial advice. Before making any financial decision, please do your homework and consult a financial advisor as needed.